Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Crops. Today we're talking diversification. Having multiple income streams can help farm economics in the long run. And today we're going to be discussing a bunch of ideas that came in from you, our listeners, and what our personal farms are doing or have plans for. How's it going for you guys? I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Oh, it's going good. I I know. I feel like we haven't talked over podcasting forever, but we've been connected over all these storms going on. Yes. It's been crazy town here. I feel like this is day 10 of blizzardy hell. (laughs) (laughs) It blizzarded again last night and closed our roads. And I, it kind of hit suddenly when I was bringing Stetson home from school and it's like eight or nine miles and it took me 40 minutes and I've never been so scared driving in my life. I was shaking and praying out loud that we could get home safely without getting stuck. It was wild. How much snow did you guys get with this last storm? I think only a couple inches, maybe one or two, but the wind blew so much and we've had 16 inches previously and it's really fine powdery snow. So it blew all that around. Mm -hmm. Levi tried, we're supposed to have our family hog butcher this weekend, which there'll be, I'll share more about that on the podcast in the next two weeks, but it's currently negative seven with a negative 27 wind chill. And he went Uh. to go see if the roads were open and he couldn't get further than 200, 200 yards from our house with a pickup. So. So he had to turn around and get the tractor and dig out a couple miles so his dad could get to our house, but there's just no way we can go get the pigs for the hog butcher. So that's a, if you're new to me and following on social or anything, it's something Levi's family does every single year. They've been processing their own pork since they immigrated from Germany back in the 1800s. So it's like a really rooted in some really deep family traditions. And this is the first time that anybody ever remembers that we've had to postpone it. So we're going to wait till next weekend when... Hopefully the roads aren't closed and the temperature is above negative 27 degrees. Is that going to cause some people to not be able to make it? It's a, there is a couple uh, friends, family members that drove from North Carolina. So they're going to miss it, which is a big bummer. But if the roads, they're going to be here this afternoon, because obviously they left before this storm hit. Uh, if the roads clear up, I think they might try to go just get their two hogs and do those rather than like all 11 that we were going to do. So, oh, man, yeah, that sounds so awesome, though. It is really cool. You should come some year. Oh, Heck yeah. We would totally. Yeah. We bought a hog from a farmer the last time we got pork, I guess. Uh-huh. And it was just so nice. I love getting whole hogs and having that secure meat in your freezer to yes. just grab from whenever you need it. That's I agree. Cool. We are definitely spoiled in that manner. I don't know why my grocery bills are so expensive because I don't hardly ever buy <laughs> meat at the grocery store, but <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been, uh, you guys know we don't work on Sundays, uh, but this past Sunday was the first Sunday since I've known my husband for what year is it? I've known him for 12 years now that we literally, he worked all day because it took sun up to sundown to just feed and water the animals because this is crazy for you guys. Isn't, is this like really out of character type of weather? Yeah. I think my father-in-law always says like every 10 years you get a really bad winter. And so what's been so stressful is we have all of these cows on corn stalks, which is something that we're going to talk about in a little bit because we're going to kind of talk about diversifying your operation. And that's one way that we've diversified is bringing in cows from other ranches on our corn stalks. It's a great winter feed option. And then those ranchers can save their 
summer pastures for the summer. They don't have to sacrifice pasture to make hay for winter. So it makes those ranchers like use their resources more efficiently. And then we can graze our corn stalks. It cuts down on volunteer corn for the farmer the next year. They poop all over our fields. It's natural fertilizer. There's all these benefits. We believe in it huge. And it's been fairly like easy money, if you will, not like easy. It's still hard work because we have to care for those animals and water them and build fence and move fence and move cows. It's a lot of work, but the last several winters have been rather mild. So it hasn't been that hard, but this storm has been terrible because it's been 10 straight days of chopping six inch ice off the tanks every day, water valves freezing open on the water tank in the five minutes it takes to fill tractors, gelling up heaters and shops going out. It's just like the Levi's like, it'd be different if it was one thing, if it was just cold, if it was just the snow or if it was just the wind, but having 16 inches of snow, negative 20 plus degree weather and blistering winds. It's like, it was the perfect storm for literally we've been calling it a blizzardy hell. Oh, did you guys, I know because we've been in talk or because we've been talking that you did unfortunately lose a couple of calves, but have all the cows made it so far? Yes. All of the cows have made it. So our cows aren't supposed to start calving until February 1st. And that's actually us putting the bulls in for a February 15th delivery date. So it gives us a 15 day buffer for cows that cause some like humans, some just go earlier. So, uh, we used to put them in for February 1st and then we started having calves on January 15th, 16th. So Levi backed it up so that we didn't have any calves till February. And so our cows were on corn stalks a couple miles from our house because they weren't close to calving and we save the corn stalks on our home quarter until calving so that they're close and can go out on the corn stalks during the day and then come in at night and Levi will check them. Well, we ended up having, he had one and he thought it was a fluke. And then we had two more and one of those calves froze and we were able to get one home and we rewarmed it in the mudroom. The boys loved that. And then at that point, Levi's like, okay, I am bringing my cows home tomorrow because they keep having babies. And we had two more and he had lot, we've lost two calves, which is a big bummer. But now all of our cows are home. And Levi said this morning, I'm really glad I brought them home because it was at one of the furthest corn stock fields. And now we had this other little blizzard spell. It'll, it could be like three, four days before the roads to the field that they were at are opened again. Oh my goodness. And he's been taking the tractor to bust out all the ice because he can't. Yeah, you couldn't. The roads were literally impassable. We had five straight days where I couldn't even leave my house with my Suburban because our road was impassable. So Levi would take a four-wheel drive tractor and he could drive through some of the drifts, but some of them were so tall, you couldn't get through them with a four-wheel drive tractor. You had to like cross country it through people's fields to get Mm -hmm. to the animals. Yeah, the the wind has been no joke, and I can't even compare ours to yours. But we've and it drifts since it's so powdery; it just drifts the roads shut. Actually, this morning, the maintainer, who actually is a relative of Levi's, called Levi because he was trying to start getting roads open, and he got stuck in the maintainer. Oh my goodness, that's crazy! (gasps) So I have to go pull him out. No, we couldn't get to him right now because he was a couple miles away. So he had mm-hmm. Levi had a couple miles of roads he would have had to scoop. And some of the drifts are way too big for a tractor. So he called some other people that were closer to where the maintainer got stuck to see if they could get their tractor there to help pull him out. What it's just mess. been wild. And there's yeah. so many cows on corn stalks around us that not just us are caring for. There was a group of 200 that didn't have enough protection and they wandered into town during the first storm. Oh, and my then- goodness. Because if they don't, if they can't find enough protection, they'll start moving around, which that's something I really have to commend Levi on because he, we knew a storm was coming. You just never know how bad it's going to be. And so 
Levi and the other guys made sure that there was some sort of protection at every single field that the cows were at, like strategically moved them to the fields that had big draws or big tree lines or something so that the cows had protection because then they're less likely to start busting through fences if they can kind of hunker down. That is really good of him. And I, I'm sure it's hard for anybody to predict. So hopefully, yeah, they said it was, then they, they kept saying, okay, it's going to be really bad, really bad. And then it was really bad. And Levi's like, they were spot on. Why can't they ever be spot on with the rain? They always say it's going to rain and it doesn't. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, storm's coming, but do we believe them? (laughs) Yeah. And as much as like, okay, so we're not in nearly the same situation as you, but we do have more snow than I would say we've had the past few winters. Uh And although it's like, Oh my goodness, this is wild. It's so cold. It's kind of like giving me a little bit of hope for 2024. For, for the growing season. season. Yeah. yeah. The I asked Levi about that too because uh, we've gotten a ton of snow, but if you look at the fields, you can still see stocks. And mm-hmm. we've had 16 inches of snow. Those stocks should be buried. Well, because it blows so much, it's blown most of the snow off of the fields. Yeah. So we will get some benefit from that, but it's not like we're going to get 16 inches of moisture on those fields. We'll no. get maybe a couple because it all like blows into the ditches or the roads or what have well, you. That and like snow is, isn't it one inch of snow equals or one inch of rain equals 10 inches of snow? Yeah. It takes a lot to equal the, our first snow was very, very wet, which I was like, this is so awesome for the dry ground. But then the snow, the second and third storm had very powdery dry snow. So I don't know. It makes me hopeful too. The past few winters, we've had hardly any measurable snows. So this is at least something. Yeah, for sure. So today we're going to be talking more kind of about diversification. I know you kind of alluded to that, but where yes. you put up the question box on your story and I have not heard any of them. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. So maybe we should each talk about briefly the ways that our families have diversified and then I can go into the list of people. So why don't you tell us all of the things that Mary Pat and Josh Sass do? Yeah, I think, um, I think that we don't do a ton besides kind of what I've started as far as like grounded journals and the cheese business, like, mm-hmm. but there's definitely things we've thought about or are thinking about because uh, right now when we look at how our farm is structured and everybody has a role to play right now, but when we think about if our kids are wanting to come in in the future someday, that's where Josh and I have really talked about how could we diversify. So mm-hmm. um, we've definitely kind of just thrown around ideas of what do we, I think when you think about diversifying the first place that you can start is thinking about what do you already have or what do you already own that you're using to do your own work for that, that would be valuable to somebody else. And a couple of the th- pieces of equipment that we have, I guess would be um, we treat our own seed. So there's one thing we have a little box to box treater that is easily movable. Like we could bring it to somebody else's farm, you know, and treat seed. Or um, we also have our own tile plow. So these are two pieces of equipment that we own that get used for very short periods of time during Mm -hmm. the year that we could get more use out of if we used them more hours, I guess. Yeah. And if you have the manpower, that's a great option because you've already made the investment in the tool to do said thing. Yeah. And I think that really depends on, we haven't ventured into any of that because it's like, okay, what time of year will we be doing this? Right. Do we have the capacity? What other stuff is a priority for us to get done? Because anytime you think about putting your time somewhere else, it's going to take away from another thing that you're doing. But I think it's nice to keep in mind what ways could we diversify when our kids do get old enough if they want to come back and something like that. 
We purchased our own sprayer a few years ago and Levi immediately thought I should do some custom spray work because that I own the sprayer now. It would be a great source of income to help pay the sprayer off and then start diversifying a little bit. But kind of like you said, you look at the time of year and the time, there is simply no way that he has the time or capacity to spray everybody anybody else's acres in addition to our own. So yes, we have that piece of equipment, but with our current manpower situation, it's not feasible. So those are things you definitely have to consider. Yes. We, I mean, you saying that we have a couple or we have a friend couple, I guess that does both custom harvesting and spraying. I'm not sure if they do planting, but yeah, they take advantage of these pieces of equipment that maybe they can get some more hours out of doing work for other guys or other farms. So Levi's family started diversifying a long time ago. They added the cattle at some point. I don't know the exact year on that. I think Levi's mom's dad was in the cattle business. And then when his dad came back to farm, he kind of started helping take over his herd. So we've had that cow-calf thing going for a really long time. And then uh, early when Levi's dad came back to farm, out of necessity, his grandpa started selling, selling crop insurance so that there was like income for multiple families because where the farm was, it could not support multiple families. So that's kind of what you mentioned like planning for future generations to come back. Sometimes you do have to get creative because if when they come back, there might the just simply the farm might not be enough to support multiple families. So that's why the crop insurance business was born. And then since that, Levi, the things Levi and I have done is starting to sell the direct to consumer beef. You all know that we do that. And then also just the money that I've made from doing influencer work on social media or paid speaking gigs or stuff like that has been another great way for me to diversify. I did have an off the farm job. So did Mary Pat at one point. A lot of families, it's as simple as that. Just the wife working off the farm, whether it's full-time, part-time or little side gigs. So you mentioning that made me think of a couple more things. You don't necessarily need to have a following on social media to make make your own side business out of doing something from the comfort of your own home. Like there's a lot of different avenues you could go down. Um, what's the? I'm blanking right now. What is what is it called when you create content for brands, but it's not like you're not sharing to your own. Is it just like freelance? freelance, but it's called something. I don't remember what it's called. I could Google it, but virtual assistants are definitely something oh, yeah. that are needed and that are used from home. There's lots of different, If you, I mean, I'm sure any our listeners, if they've wanted to stay home and work, there's avenues, ideas. Yes. So yes. Ideas that don't involve like sharing into your life every day, the way that uh-huh. and I do. Right. Um, You can also, I've been to so many ag events where the speaker is, has a great story or uh, sits on a really interesting panel and they don't have any social media following. So to speak at events, even if you don't have a social media following, you can still request payment for that. That's your time. That's your resources. That's your expertise on whatever kind of rule or farm ranch operation that you're a part of. That's an option too. You just kind of would have to connect with the right people. I thought of what it's called. UGC, user-generated content. Oh. Brands will pay people freelance like that to make, if that's something you enjoy, but you don't want to have your own following, right. another way to do it. Then people yeah. like have really successful businesses built off of that. Right. Um, While we're kind of talking about this, I guess other ways that you can diversify online, you can do affiliate marketing. So that's mm-hmm. like, 
I have, I like this purity coffee. It's mold free, super delicious coffee. I share it. I signed up for their affiliate program. So I share a link. If you purchase using my link, I get like a 10% kickback or something like that. Those numbers are arbitrary. Every company has their own ways that they pay out their affiliates, but that's an easy way. That's not going to like pay your bills unless you're doing it with a lot of companies and posting a lot, but that's a way to get a little bit of extra cash. There's a lot of brands that have affiliate opportunities too. They do. So affiliate marketing and the kind of the influencer work that Mary Pat and I have done on social media are ways in the online space to diversify. I thought of one more. It might be kind of lame, but I was thinking about, you know, what do you already have? And I'm sure not a lot of farmers have like extra shed space, but if you do and you live in a place like I do, where you're kind of around a lot of people renting out space for people to store like their campers or their boats Mm -hmm. idea. We actually paid somebody down the road that lives on a farmyard, but they don't farm and they had a big shed on it. And we rented their shed space literally up until I think in 2020 is when we built our own big storage shed. He was ready to have that space back. And so we built our own, but for like 20 plus years, we rented space for Mm -hmm. our own farm equipment. And that's an idea for a listener who might, might have a space like that, that they're thinking about, oh yeah, that shed is empty. Like, could we be using it to make a little extra money, even just to pay the property taxes? (laughs) Right. Yeah. No kidding. Especially Nebraska, because they are high here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but I thought about it because I'm like, that's one thing that we're always short on at our farm is something's always sitting out that could be under a, under a building. Right. So I pulled my Instagram audience for ways that people have diversified their operations. And I said, tell me all the things, if it's something super simple or something super out of the box. So I kind of divided it into three general categories. So I have some custom work, things to sell, and then unique off the wall things, which is the longest list. And I'm so excited to delve into. Oh, Jenna, you're the real MVP (laughs) of this episode because I'm just listening to everything for the first time. So I'll be here sitting here sharing very little, but It's fine. I'm excited. So custom work, kind of like what Mary Pat said, if you already have equipment that and the time and the manpower to utilize, uh, a lot of people do custom spraying, fertilizer application and hydrous application, custom harvesting, planting, hanging tile work. Like you said, uh, seed corn harvest. I know that's not popular where you're at, but where we're at seed corn is a whole beast of its own. I could get in a huge tangent on it, but it is, you don't use a traditional combine. You use a picker and it has an elevator instead of an auger because you pick the corn on the ear itself. And so there are crews that will just go around and like harvest for Bayer or harvest for pioneer and harvest the seed corn and then take it to the seed plant. There's like whole crews just for that. Um, dirt work, concrete work, welding, equipment rentals, cow sitting. I put that in the custom work because mm-hmm. I call it cow sitting because we're basically babysitting somebody's cows. We're giving them shelter, food and water. That's literally babysitting, but it's a cow. So it's cow sitting. Levi calls it custom corn stock grazing. So there's that. <laughs> I guess there's technical terms, but who, who needs them? Right. I cow sitting's <laughs> way easier. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, things to sell. So corn stock bales is a good one. So if you choose not to graze your corn stocks, you can bale up all of that roughage that's left if you don't want it in your field for the next year. And you can sell those bales. You can sell bean stubble bales. Alfalfa, somebody said, I know that doesn't seem kind of out of the box or anything, but we can grow it in our area and it cash flows well because then you could do small bales for alfalfa. I know people with horses like good quality alfalfa bales and stuff like that. I want to get, I keep telling Josh, I want to get into that, but He's not a fan because then we won't have a summer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm with him on that one because you paying is to get like four cuttings. If you can, you have to be there and you have to time the weather right. And yeah, it's a beast of its own. My dad does. I'm just inserting a little bit of my stuff because my dad does custom hay since he quit dairying. Uh Um, 
because our farm is so hilly and it's just better to have hay in the rotation than try uh-huh. to do row crops constantly. So it could be something that is strategic for your piece of ground too. That just really makes sense for the ground itself. We had a little 20 acre patch over by where Levi's parents live that we had alfalfa on for a few years. And then he'll, he's done white corn. He's done, he's done like little things to switch it up in that little piece of ground. So I totally get what you're saying. Hay has been kind of a huge deal the last two years with the drought and it's people have even had kind of trouble finding hay and connecting hay. So if you have connections, I know people that have like bought and sold hay to kind of help get it to the people that need it. That's another way to make some side money. Mm-hmm. Um, then direct to consumer products. So we're still in things to sell. So beef, lamb, pork, bison, any sort of animal protein that you could raise veggies. That's probably something more locally. That's not something you'd usually ship, but uh, like local CSAs or selling to grocery stores, restaurants, maple syrup, honey, raw dairy. I've heard really good margins on all of those products. If you have the means or set up for that. And then let's dive into the unique things. Cause I feel like this is where we're going to spend the most time. Uh, one farmer said they're DJI ag spray drone dealers. Whoa. And that okay. was cool. I Mary Pat and I both have like little DJI drones. We've flown mm-hmm. around our farms for content and different things. But if you go to a farm show like Husker Harvest Days or Farm Progress, you often see in the demo areas, these big ag, big drones where they're spraying them with a drone. And I'm always like, how can you spray that much? You can't have that much in the tank, but I'm sure it's more concentrated and it gets applied at a way slower rate. Uh, that I thought was cool. Other dealers of things like seed dealers, oil and tire dealers, uh, having the, somebody has a little supply store where they have like tack vaccines and other supplies. Uh, if you live in a rural area and can provide that to people, commercial trucking, uh, a lot, sometimes farmers will use their trucks during harvest, but then they might also use those over the road during the off seasons to haul seed corn. Or if you have a cattle pot or a pig hauler, or even somebody, they were talking about like onions and other produce that they were hauling. You can haul anything over the road. If you have a dispatcher or are talented and can dispatch your own loads. Uh, if you're well-versed in that trucking world, that's definitely a good way to use equipment that you already have because our mm-hmm. trucks are only used during harvest. And then when we haul our grain during January, February, March. Logging woods. So if you live in a wooded area, I guess some people do logging that I thought was cool. Obviously I live in the land of flatlands, so that has not happened where I live. So I'm not well-versed in that. Along the logging side, if you have a skid steer and a chainsaw, you can make a lot of money helping people take trees out of their yards. Obviously there's a liability when it comes to like, if you accidentally drop a tree on someone's house, but right. we've been hired. It's not something that we focus on or Josh focuses on, but definitely by friends to help move trees. And mm-hmm. I mean, people that do that get paid a, a lot of money. So. Yeah. You were about to say buttload, weren't you? Yeah, but then my kids are right here and they're waving snacks in my face. So I'm going to open them and make them go back downstairs. Yeah, my we have the equipment to take out trees and my husband is fully capable, but he doesn't have the time for that. So I literally hired somebody locally to take trees out for us. Other things, uh, which I thought this was cool. I would love to find somebody to do this for us. Tractor restoration. Oh, yeah. There's UNL actually is a tractor restoration club. If I, I mean, Stetson's verbalized he does not want to go to college, but if any of my kids end up going to the university, I want to say join the tractor restoration club and learn how to do that. Yes, that's so cool. Um, tractor repairs, uh, equipment repairs, helping with uh, when Levi first got back from college, actually, he went to school to do ag technology and GPS things. 
you guys have heard the story. He went for the first day. He didn't like to clock in and out. He, he wanted to farm. So, but he was well-versed in that GPS technology. So when he first came back to start farming, people would pay him to help get their GPS set up, help him troubleshoot different things like that. Everything he learned in college is now obsolete because it's come so far in the last mm-hmm. 12 years, but yeah. Um, training <laughs> things. If you're, uh, skilled in that training dogs or horses, uh, building slip tanks. I didn't know what this was. So I had to Google it. It's, uh, <laughs> a tank that you can put in the back of a truck bed to haul fuel or other liquids. That's something very beneficial for farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, commercial growing chickens for Costco and smart chicken. I know there's a lot of Costco chickens that are raised in Nebraska. Uh, if you farm and you don't have livestock, your winter has a little bit more freedom. So if you have the equipment, you can plow snow in the winter. I was just going to say, this is a great year for snow plowing. It's a great year for <laughs> snow plowing. Our, our governor actually put Nebraska, my eastern part of Nebraska, in a state of emergency so that then the counties can hire outside help. And they were hiring a lot of outside help in my county to come help with payloaders to move so and maintainers and this and that. Uh, Levi, at one point we had 1700 miles of our roads closed Mm. and I don't even think that includes County gravel roads. And Levi read last night that since last Monday, so was it like January 6th or something, sixth or seventh in there, uh, snowplows in Nebraska have logged over 37 hours, 37,000 hours of snowplow works in the last 12 days. That's crazy. Wild. That was a tangent. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, A couple other random things. Online auction marketing. That's a great one. I actually, when Stetson told me he didn't want to go to college, we kind of went through this whole thing. And I'm like, well, you don't have to go to college, but it would be wise to go learn a trade or something that would be beneficial to the farm. Like be an electrician or a diesel mechanic or learn welding, plumbing. Or we had gone to the sale bar and I said, even auctioneering would be a great side gig for a farmer. So I got livestock auctioneering. He said he thought about it and he's like, mm, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I just want to farm. So we'll see, but it is a great way to diversify grain cleaning. Uh, somebody cleans a seed for a local bird seed factory. So a lot of these things would definitely depend on your local economy and the, and the needs of your local area. Uh, rental properties or flipping houses. And then here's a place where depending on your property, if you have the setup for it, you could do things really cool. Somebody remodeled an old camper and put it on a pond on their property with a deck, a patio, grill, fireplace, put it on Airbnb. And then people from Lincoln and Omaha, this is somebody in Nebraska, will pay through Airbnb to come have like a night out in the country. And it's literally a camper on a pond on their farm. (laughs) I've heard of a lot of farmers moving to this. If you have cool facilities like that, that might draw people from town. I know it's our Monday normal lives, but the general, most of the population is so removed from agriculture and farms. It is very cool for them to come witness and experience that. So that's a great way to diversify. There's a company called Land Trust that can actually connect. If you have ground, can connect, connect you with hunters that might want to hunt or bird watch or different agritourism things too, to kind of help diversify the income on your property. Uh, We've watched a lot of people do the farm to table stuff like to Amanda at Grandview Beef, she uh-huh. had like this farm dinner night. It looked like a lot of work, but maybe it's something like this. This was their first time. Maybe they're going to be doing it a lot more, but they had like, you know, a beautiful setup in their pasture to serve their beef. Cool. Their far- it was just, that's so cool and unique uh-huh. and such a great like experience type of thing for people in your community. 
Absolutely. Uh, Levi would love to do that at our pasture. And he has, he's the dreamer. He's got all these ideas. And I'm like, yeah. but the logistics to get, get there sound really exhausting to me at this point in my life. It, there's, yeah, you have to find the right season or have the right support. Otherwise, yes. how can it's you? not happening. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, a couple other really unique things. Somebody pelletizes wool from sheep and sells it as plant fertilizer. So I messaged her and I said, tell me more. And then I creeped her profile and I was mind blown. So she, they make little pellets out of sheep wool and you put them in like your house plants and it slowly releases nitrogen, potassium, and other micronutrients. And then those wool pellets help the plant hold three times their weight in water. So you don't have to water as frequent. And then that pellet will biodegrade in about six months. And so I messaged her and I said, wait, so is there hope for me to keep a house plant alive? Maybe this is the missing piece to the puzzle That's for funny. Jenna to have a house plant. That's so funny. I we, thought that was very cool and unique though. We need to tag some of these people in the show notes. I Absolutely, I, I will. Okay. I will. Um, ag cards and gifts. That was Melissa from Hungry oh, Canyon. She has really cute ag themed. Valentine's. Yes. If you are listening and you want cute farm or ranch themed Valentine's for your child, we'll link it in the show notes because yes. they're adorable. They are the best. Seriously. Yes. So cute and so unique. I love Valentine's Day, by the way. There's a little fun. Thing. Oh, I'm like kind of indifferent. Oh, come on, Jenna. It's, it's a just, season of love. It's made <laughs> up and we all spent money on gifts during Christmas. And it's like, seriously? Oh, I love a good Valentine. I think it's such a lighthearted, sweet holiday. I just... Mm. It is a Bring great time to get in. very punny and do fun things with cards, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, but I can honestly take or leave it. Oh man, I just love it. It's honestly probably my second favorite holiday. Levi did spoil me during Valentine's Day when we were dating, like way <laughs> over the top. And then we got married and it's like, oh. Happy Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I, I'll eat with you tonight. That's the gift. <laughs> oh my gosh. Actually, the first Valentine's Day we were dating, I think he gave me a tackle box. And then on the inside, there was like lures and he had taped things to it. Like you're the best catch or I'm hooked on you. Or he had like cute little sayings in there. I think his mom helped him, but it was, it was a cute little punny gift, I guess. Okay. Sorry for that tangent. But yeah, I'm thinking like, as you're talking, definitely some ideas come to mind. And if you're somebody who can craft or make something really unique, that is definitely like lean into that. And if you Mm -hmm. see an interest there's so many different small very cool businesses that people in agriculture have created just based Mm -hmm. off their own raw talents i have a friend locally that takes pallets and then she made during the fall she made super cute pumpkins and sold them at the farmer's market out of pallets and she painted them put ribbons on them and uh i think she does the same thing at christmas time using old pallet wood so like you said if you are creative and have a skill like that definitely hone it and use it yeah, I have a friend who did who does something similar with palettes, but she also is like a very talented painter. Mm-hmm. She can sculpt things out of clay. And I know she started her own business painting cowboy hats, like oh, custom cool. designs on the underside. Very yes. talented. So just and that like all stemmed from a horse riding accident she had and she started a business because she couldn't do a lot of physical stuff. So it was really that kinda cool. reminds me of at Husker Harvest Days. Mary Pat and I got these necklaces that have mm-hmm. corn in them and it's yep. Z Harvest Gems. And she was a retired teacher, but her husband farms and she still wanted to do something to kind of 
fulfill. Now she wasn't working full time and she wanted something that was very fulfilling to do. And she was on a walk around all this corn. And she's like, I can make jewelry out of that. I actually wore it to work once. And somebody said, Oh, is that a Jim's uh, birthstone necklace for your kids? And I'm like, no, it's just corn. <laughs> Were they surprised though? Yeah. Probably. They laughed. They're like, Jenna, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's so, so you. Funny. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I just had, I've been writing notes as you've been talking because this type of conversation lights me up, but it's a problem because I'm like, ooh, you could do that. You could do that. Do that. This, that. Yeah, I hear you. But there's so many other also, I mean, I'm stereotyping, but a lot of women in agriculture who do photography Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of friends online that do it and they've just really got a really neat business because they've honed in on a niche to photograph farmers, farm family, farm activities. So like Grand Velco. Mm-hmm. She does our photos, but she also has a business where photographers can put photos in and they, they're they like on a open market for, what what would you call it, like stock photography? So oh, sure. So that's a way that you could sell your images through somebody like that and make money. And not just, not just with sessions, but with actually selling your photos for brands to buy. And we've, it's kind of funny because there's been some, some of our family photos have been a part of that. And somebody sent me a picture of Josh in an ad the other day. And I was like, yeah, that's from Granville for sure. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hannah Gable Dorn does similar mm-hmm. photography for farm families as well. I think she actually just focuses on farm and ranch families. She came and took harvest photos for our family and documented the red van that had never been documented. And then a couple of years ago, I did what's called a legacy session with Sarah Heisel. Sarah, yeah. Genuinely Heisel is her... Instagram handle and her business is the happy trails co. And so she came out to our farm three or four times throughout the year. And one time was during hog butcher to help to kind of document that family legacy, which is something I never would have thought of, but I was sitting at rural rooted and another friend, Taryn was like, Jenna, you need to hire her. And she needs to come during your hog butcher. That would be so cool. And I was like, I never would have even thought to document that, but you're so right. And so she came, like I said, multiple times throughout the year, it's called a legacy session because it captures like the whole year, the legacy, all of the generations working together. And that's kind of where she's found her niche and uh, honed in. And that's what she's passionate about and what she wants to spend her time doing. And so, yeah, like Mary Pat said, if you have a talent that you can use to appeal to other farm and ranch families, go after that. hundred percent. And another thing I'm just thinking of, uh, Sarah Haydenfelt has, she's a photographer as well, but she created a course for iPhone editing. And it's just something really interesting because I learned so much from her course as a content creator, definitely not pursuing to be like a professional photographer, but it helped me. So if you have a skill that you can create a course on too, that's another idea. Absolutely. And presets. She sold her presets. Did you say that? Yeah. No, I didn't say that. She, I, I, that's another thing. If you're versed online, any sort of web marketing, uh, graphic design, anything like that. Mary Pat and I both hire people to do graphic design for our businesses to help with our website because I'm not skilled in that. Yeah, I could sit down and learn it, but that's not something I'm good at. It doesn't involve my personality or my talent. So it makes no sense business-wise for me to waste all my time doing that. I agree 100%. Um, So farm stands are another thing. If you live, you have to look at your state laws because I tried to do this and it wasn't going to work out for me in Illinois. But um, there's definitely farmers who have set up these stands to sell their produce or eggs. If you have a very small amount of space, you can sell eggs. Um, But anyway, Abby from the Gateway Farm has a stand where she sells her meat, eggs, maple syrup. And she was my inspiration to try to do this. But it's a way, you know, like a one-stop shop where people can just pull in and grab what they need and buy it right off your 
property. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one that I think is so funny, I've we've I've talked about this with other farm wives, and it actually came up at the Farm for Business <laughs> or Farm Futures Business Summit because uh, there was another farm wife there that I connected with, and we talked about it would be so cool if somebody had like a farm Uber Eats where they would like take orders from farmers in the field and deliver to farmers in the area. That's not something that I want to do because I feel like I'm at capacity with our crew. Right. But would be a super cool business for somebody. That's something that gets brought gets brought up every harvest by our guys. Somebody needs to buy an old ambulance or something and serve meals out of it and take fields meals to farmer. Like we need, they call it farm Uber Eats too. And I'm like, what do you think I am guys? <laughs> Like that's literally I just, what I do for you every day. Paid Uber Eats, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll start billing you. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it'd be cool though, especially for if there's farms where they don't have enough support to do like the the family can't support that in that mm-hmm. capacity. I think it'd be so cool to a business like that. Yeah. Anyway, this kind of conversation just lights me up. I could talk yes. business ideas and inspiration like this all day. <laughs> yes. Mary Pat and I can be your mastermind besties for talking business ideas. <laughs> we should we should get someone on and just mastermind ideas with them someday. That's a good idea. Because I've been writing down things that I don't want to forget after this conversation. Like, what do I want to make sure I get photo sessions of? I've written that down uh, uh-huh. after you talked about the hog processing. Right. So cool. Mm-hmm. I thought of one more thing that really only relates to my area, but some people will get uh, pivot building crews. Yeah. Like run a pivot building crew. And then, cause a lot of times pivot dealers, they'll sell the pivot, but they don't, they use their manpower doing, uh, moving pivots or fixing or this and that to actually build it. It's like a very, uh, like well-oiled machine, like same thing, put the pivot up, da, 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 da. You have a crew that's very specialized in that and they all know what they're doing and they literally work like a well-oiled machine and can put a pivot up so fast. That's another way that I know farmers around here have done something like that. Yeah. So last week, something was brought up and it's just kind of made me kind of think about this diversification topic a little more. One of the sessions at the Farm Futures Business Summit was on succession planning. And one of the farmers brought up, I don't know if we'll do this for our kids, but I thought it was an interesting concept is if your kids are expressing they want to come back to the farm, have them work off the farm for a specific period of time, whether it's like you said, in a trade, doing something. But in order for them to come back, he made his kids fill a gap. And maybe it was because he didn't just automatically have enough space for everybody. Mm -hmm. So if they, he said they had to bring something of value that filled a gap for the farm before they could just come back. Mm -hmm. And it kind of added some structure to that. And I thought that was really good advice that I wanted to make sure to share for, for those of us who are maybe thinking like, Ooh, how are we going to make this happen for our kids? There could be options if we just kind of think outside of the box. Yeah. That's something we've talked about that. I listened to that session. It's something I took notes on. And that's kind of why I mentioned earlier when Stetson told me he didn't want to go to college. I don't know if I've told this story. He was in like six weeks into kindergarten. We're on our way to school. And he said, mom, I'm not going to college. I was like, okay, you're six. Yeah. How do you know what college is? <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, Mrs. Kramer said it's where you go to learn what you want to be when you grow up. And I want to be a farmer and I can learn what I need from my daddy and my papa. So college sounds like a big, big waste of time. And he just rambled that off like six years old. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going to force you to go to college. We could definitely revisit this topic in 10 years, but maybe you could go learn a trade. Like that would be beneficial to the farm. You know how valuable it would be for one of our kids to be a diesel mechanic or an electrician. You know how much money we've spent on paying somebody else that's skilled in that for our farm. Like that would be so valuable for a farm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's instead of, 
uh, just letting it, letting your kids come back unsure of if financially it's going to work out. Uh-huh. How can you make them bring, if this is something they want, you know, what kind of value? Uh-huh. I don't know. Interesting. I, I, I also, I think it was the same panel, Mary Pat. Somebody talked about having their kids go work for another farmer or work mm-hmm. for like a pivot dealer, a seed dealer. I don't think he said pivot dealer. That's just, oh, you know, we're just always thinking about irrigation around here. Go work and like learn from somebody else and they even talked about like letting them fail, letting them get fired from a job, like letting them yeah. like learn so many lessons before they come back. Yeah. And I think if anything, maybe they don't bring like a very specific trade back. If anything, maybe they'll bring an appreciation for what it's like to work with their family. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll learn different dynamics and how different farms operate. Say they go work for another farmer. So it could be very valuable just in that sense too, to help them, I guess, appreciate where they're at. I agree. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. Thanks for being along on this conversation. If you think of any other ways that you've diversified or this spurred an idea, we would love for you to share about it on Instagram and tag us in your stories. Cause we like, obviously we get very excited about it. So keep us posted. Yeah. Thanks guys. And, uh, we really appreciate you being here. Remember we launch a new episode every Tuesday. So stay tuned. We've got some interviews coming up that we're really excited Mm -hmm. about. And if you share the podcast to your stories, even just tag us, that gives you an entry for our monthly giveaway, which we've been really enjoying. And you can find us on our social media outside the podcast, linked in the show notes. Thanks, guys.